This is a HeadGum Podcast. While Andrew and Craig believe the joy of discovery is crucial to enjoying any well-told tale, they will not shy away from spoiling specific story beats when necessary. Plus, these are books you should have read by now. Just obstinately saying March Madness until you're not disappointed in yourself. I just had some thoughts about March Madness, but they're not like jokes. Yeah, so we could just start the show. Observations. All right, just start the show then. You read the thing. Hey, everybody, welcome to Overdue. It's a podcast about the books you've been meaning to read. I'm Andrew. Oh, you are a stinker. (laughs) You're being such a brat. My name's Craig. You want to talk about basketball, but you don't have enough thoughts about basketball. To to jam and slam I just, and come in, into that ga- game in the parlance of the game. I just dunked. I just slam dunked on you by. I took the ball. I took. I stole. I intercepted your basketball and I ran it into my own hoop and I dunked it. And then you slapped my shot and ran home. Mm-hmm. Yeah, is that hockey? <laughs> Oh my good gracious, we are a book podcast, not a sports Obviously. podcast, thank God, and we are here to talk about uh, The Color of Magic by Terry Pratchett, which Andrew read. I did read it. Today. I read the whole thing. Um, and All by actually, myself. Actually, this episode is going up on the third anniversary, I believe, of uh, Pratchett's passing. Um, he passed in 2015, so... Yeah, um, from... Alzheimer's yeah. disease. He's um, pretty public and and uh, did a lot of work for Alzheimer's research in the in the years after he was diagnosed. Uh, yeah, and he'd also he'd said he I think he wrote something in 2009. I think he he was diagnosed in like 2007 2008, and then in 2009 he wrote something in support of assisted suicide. Or I know there are a lot of different ways to refer to to that, but yes. just like end of life planning in general. Um, but he's his his death was from natural causes. Despite that, it sounds like. But um, t- let's enough about his death. Let's talk about his well, life. What do you yeah, got from you we'll about, talk Terry about his life? But uh, using this date as a, as a cause for celebration. Twitter, so, was, Twitter was super sad. It was when he died. He's like one of the because like my weird intersection of like tech nerd game politics mm-hmm. twitter mm-hmm. doesn't like we aren't all tweeting about the same thing very often but when terry pratchett died it was one of those yes yeah. uh sir terence david john pratchett obe was born uh in 1948 and as we just said he passed in 2015 uh better known as terry pratchett of course uh we talked about his collab his hot collabo with uh neil gaiman good omens good omens by Terry Pratchett feet Neil Gaiman. <laughs> yeah. We talked about that on episode 155, so you can learn a little bit more about Pratchett's work on that episode if you haven't listened to it before. Um, his first sh- story ever was published in 1962 at the age of 13. What were you doing at the age of 13, Andrew? Boy, not not publishing short <laughs> stories. Uh, and he would actually go on to drop out of high school at, he had he was taking his A levels 
which I understand is a part of British schooling, and I just want to, I don't. The only thing I know about British schooling is that they call math maths. Yeah. Because there's they have more than one of them over Someone there. Someone <laughs> please educate us. Um, we He dropped out of high school at age 17 to join a local newspaper where he went on to write a weekly children's circle story column. And I just made a note where I said, wouldn't that be nice if that could happen today? <laughs> I, don't mm-hmm. th- I think it's more likely that a kid would maybe become like a YouTube star. Then, yeah, like, I feel like we hear about people dropping out of high, like you, you, you get your Sir Terrence Pratchett's and your Bill Gates's dropping out of high school, and you're like, oh, dropping out of high school is totally fine. But the people who drop out of high school and don't do so good are not up there giving keynotes about the mistakes that they don't have made. Wikipedia like, articles <laughs> about don't. them. Some of them do, but not as many as as folks who just like lucked into something. Right. Um, and he did luck into something. He got a break. He interviewed a local publisher who then passed on the draft of his first novel to a colleague and that got published and i think that guy's name was colin Smythe, who then went on to publish a bunch of pratchett's books uh, his first book was called the carpet people in 1971 and then in 1983 is when he wrote the color of magic which is what we're talking about today it's the first of his 41 disc world novels disc world so we'll talk about the disc world a little bit more yeah. as we get into the book, obviously. But <laughs> the short version is that it is a it is a flat disc, just like yep. the planet Earth is. Definitely. Um, and it's unlike the planet Earth. It's resting on the backs of four elephants that are standing on the back of a giant space turtle. In yeah. I was gonna say in space, but that would have been redundant because it's a space. The, turtle. the big space turtle in space, yeah. I mean, sure. maybe the space turtle could be somewhere else, so it's good to. I to... saw a title of one of the Discworld books was called "The Fifth Elephant," and I got really excited. But I feel like I might have to read twenty-eight other novels first. I don't know if I'm <laughs> well, because the thing there. about the the Discworld books, yeah. is they. I mean, they aren't telling one story, right? They're a bunch of in, loosely interrelated stories positioned in the same fictional universe but even pratchett like there's a foreword to the to the edition of color of magic that was written in 1989 that i read and he says even though he, I mean, he wasn't very far into the the Discworld series at this mm-hmm. point he how many um at least 10 he says sure. Discworld books <laughs> so he outstripped that a little bit, but he says the disc world is not a coherent fantasy world. Its geography is fuzzy. It's chronology unreliable. A small traveling circle of firelight in a chilly infinity has turned out to be the home of defiant jokes and last chances. There are no maps. You can't map a sense of humor. Anyway, what is a fantasy map, but a space beyond which there be dragons on the disc world. We know that there be dragons everywhere. They might not all have scales and forked tongues, but they be here. All right. Grinning and jostling and trying to sell you souvenirs. So that should tell you a little bit like the Discworld one is it's a comedy series. Yes. It's a comedy and fantasy Two, he's setting himself up in contrast to the meticulously crafted fantasy world. I think pri- he would primarily probably have Tolkien in mind, but um, C.S. Lewis plays in that a little bit. Um, there are a lot of later authors like Brandon Sanderson and Robert Jordan and George R.R. R. Martin who would try and create these gigantic fully realized like internally consistent universes but Pratchett is like he's content to set that stuff up insofar as it gives him something to riff on but he's also not gonna he's not gonna go back 
while he's writing the 30th book and check out what was happening in book three just to make sure that he's doing the magic system the same way yeah in both both books and the overall series is uh you know it's referential with other fantasy tropes it's referential with uh real world history and real world inventions Um, real world literature real world uh, literature lovecraft comes up shakespeare comes up yeah yeah uh, there's an offshoot. There's lots of offshoot and companion series. Um, some of them have been published by a guy named Stephen Briggs, who created the Discworld Companion. If you're interested in that, um, but there's a Science of Discworld series that I found that was kind of neat. Uh, this came in the flurry of articles published uh, after his passing. That was about uh, the wizards of this like of this universe's like school of wizards. They create a new universe that's like a pocket universe where everything operates according to like particle physics. And the joke is that it's our universe because they accidentally set off the big bang and then they <laughs> like spend the books poking and prodding at what the laws of that world are and, and why it comes to be the way it is. And so that was part of an article making a, an argument for Pratchett's uh, work and Discworld writ large as kind of a parallel universe to ours and you can see ways in which humankind like tackle certain problems uh if it didn't have to adhere to the same rules um yeah like even even in this the very first book in the series and like there there's so there's a second book that he did in 1986 called the light fantastic that is it is a continuation of the same story to the point where they're kind of considered to be like two halves of the same basic story like I, I didn't read that one they but, were combined um, into um a 2008 like tv adaptation sure uh, i could see that that was ac- actually starred sean astin and christopher lee <laughs> <laughs> right. both of the lord of the rings <laughs> right um what was my point i had a point that i was making uh, <laughs> like he didn't yeah. he didn't um I don't think he saw himself writing 40 of these when he no. started out, but he even even here is like setting himself up to like there are other worlds that exist than the, the disc world. Great. OK. And so uh, obviously like our world could be one of them and eventually apparently did become one of them. But And we'll talk about how like if there are some of the tropes of the of the series that crop up in this book. But I did want to share like you commented on this is a like comedy or or jokey riff on fantasy and he is uh, i found an interview with writers right where he talked about that where someone asked him about some of the books getting a little bit darker uh and he said first off i have to say that i simply hate it when reviewers call my work wacky or zany those (laughs) those people are going to be hunted down by the mafia yes (laughs) seriously i suppose around the fifth or sixth Discworld book i discovered the joy of plot (laughs) and he goes on to talk about uh the need to have like if you're doing something funny a bunch then you need like a moment of seriousness to ground you uh and vice versa um which i thought was kind of interesting because i do certainly have this impression that he is almost like a having never read a pratchett book i have this impression that he's like a douglas adams of hitchhiker for fantasy and i'm sure there are some similarities but that is probably a a vast over it's well it's it's you're not wrong though like sure. that's, that's not that's not the that's a good direction to be thinking okay in. i think if you are in i mean he specifically said i think he wanted to do for fantasy what blazing saddles yes. had done for western so there's that in there sure. i think you've got 
some measure of like Monty Python-y mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. stuff in, in, in that it's like finding humor in in like establish like taking tropes with established expectations and then like flipping those. And that doesn't mean you don't create characters that are that are like aren't worth caring about or stories that aren't memorable. It just means that your primary device is going to be like humor and reference and things like that. Sure. Um, and then as we kind of close out our opening section, as you said, I did want to mention he did make a documentary later in his life in 2011. This was about uh, Alzheimer's and, and assisted dying. It was called Terry Pratchett Choosing to Die, and he won awards for it. Um I find that just a fascinating topic and, and what that is like from a legal framework. So I'm probably going to go check that out. Um, yeah. Cause it's, it's a, it's, it is something that I think we need to discuss more. Like we have a yeah. culture of not discussing it in yeah. this country. Like if, if you think back, like getting to American politics, like if you think back to like 2009, 2010, when, um, when the healthcare law was being debated, you might, like it had set aside some amount of money for um for this kind of end of life consulting yeah, yeah. and it was spun into this like ridiculous rhetoric about quote unquote death panels that would be deciding like who lived and who died yep. and that's just not i don't know it's it's not it's not what it is i think we could get we could stand to get over our squeamishness about that because i don't know we're an aging country healthcare costs a lot like we I don't know. Like medicine seems sometimes like it's engineered to keep people alive long past the point where they can actually be enjoying it. So I don't know. Yeah, that's that's all. just that's just kind of where I am on, and I think about that kind of a lot. Uh, Before yeah. we move on, I just wanted to, when you think about fantasy sure. series, is a lot of the time I think you think about authors like Robert Jordan or George R. R. Martin, who let's let's say that maybe they lose interest in the <laughs> elaborate intricate fantasy worlds yeah, that they sure. have crafted and some of them have some trouble continuing to get, write get into that finish line get into that finish line or even like doing another lap <laughs> like, <laughs> sure um but pratchett and i think may, maybe the loosey-goosiness of it helped enable yeah. him to do this but I just think it is completely wild that between 1986, when the light fantastic came out and when he died, he published at least one Discworld book, sometimes as many as three Discworld novels a year until he died with the exception. He missed 2008, uh, 2012 and 2014, I think owing probably to his, to his um, health, yeah, his health. But um, and he had written and then the forty first one before he died, and then yeah, he wrote out. it. He completed it in twenty fourteen, and then Man. it was published um, after he died posthumously. So um, what a dude. Yeah, that's just a lot of books. It's a lot of books, <laughs> and they're not all. They're of course not all about the same person. Yeah, yeah. Um, the last book to feature the protagonist, R- Rincewind the Wizard. Mm-hmm. It, I I think Rincewind. It might be Rincewind, but let's let's go with Rincewind and we'll sure. just deal with the tweets. Yeah, <laughs> that sounds good to me. Um, the last one to feature him was published in 2009. Oh, wow. But yeah, there were a lo- there are a lot of different groups of people and individuals in this world that he that he focused on, including the character of death who, who makes an appearance, I think in most of these books, sometimes he's a bigger character than others. I think he's also in, um, 
Good Omens too. We talked about that. Yeah, he's a he's a hallmark of the genre, of the not the genre of the series. I don't. Yeah, I don't. It's been a little bit since I read that, so I don't recall if that's supposed to be like the same character death. I assume probably it is. Yeah, but I don't think so. I think game but, like, but also. That. Death is a pretty firmly established trope, which is something that Pratchett lampshades all the time to the point where like he just is a skeleton in a robe with a scythe. Like, <laughs> Great. Okay. He's not doing anything different with death in this particular book. That's sort of the point. Okay, let's take a quick break and I want to learn more about Discworld. Okay. Craig, what shape is your space these days? It's like a oval or a lumpy egg. Ew, I think ew. I need to fix it. What yeah, space should need... it? What shape should it be? It should be square. I should have a get, square space. Wh- get one of them square spaces. Huh. You know why? Because it's a website that helps you make websites. That sounds rad. In addition to getting your shape right. <laughs> It, in addition to that, it can do what? It can uh, turn your cool idea into a new website. Great. You can use Squarespace sites to showcase your work, blog or publish content, sell products and services of all kinds, promote your physical or online business. Imagine that, an online business. Weird. Here in the year 2018. Huh. Uh, announce an upcoming event or special project and more. Um, Squarespace does this. In addition to giving you a nice square space. Yeah. With four corners and equal sides, <laughs> they give you beautiful templates that um, you can design using like drag and drop tools. You don't gotta know any code. Everything gets updated automatically, so you don't have to worry about it. It's optimized for both desktop browsers and your phone right out of the box. So you know you'll always see it good. You'll always see sites good. Don't It'll you always be a square going, space. I I don't I can't decide if I hate seeing a desktop site on a phone or seeing a phone site on a desktop more. I think I, I, think, I think I hate phone on a desktop more. Yeah, now. I think. I, <laughs> um, and and they've uh, also got twenty four seven award winning customer support. So Craig, if you want to get in shape with Squarespace, <laughs> see there's a tagline. Come on. Uh, what what do people got to do? I think they have to go to squarespace.com for a free trial. And when they're ready to launch, use the, the offer code OVERDUE to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. That's squarespace.com offer code OVERDUE to save 10% off the first purchase of a website or domain. Okay, Andrew. Okay. Craig. Take me to Discworld. All right, here we are. What does it look like Look here? around you. Look around. What do I see? I look northwest. What do I see? You see a, You see obvious exits are east and south. Okay. <laughs> do I have any tools? It's a, You have a lantern, a short sword, and a bag of coppers. Hmm. I wish I had silvers. Hmm. Well, you don't. <laughs> I did it bad when I All right, so we're character. on we're on the disc world. The disc world is a disc world. Mm-hmm. It is a disc-shaped world. Off to a great start. Mm-hmm. And like I said, it's carried on the backs of four elephants which are carried on the back of a big space turtle. Now, like um, do you get told that on page 1? Is he like, "Let me tell you about the di- <laughs> Okay. Not not far from page sure. 1. Um 
So yeah, this this book is constructed, and it's one of the few Discworld books to use any kind of break at all. Like Pratchett was kind of chapter averse. I heard about that. Um, yeah, he, yeah. He split. I think some of the Discworld books that were more targeted toward kids or YA, like more explicitly targeted, um, used chapters because Pratchett said that his editors would scream at him until he put them in anyway. So he would just put them in <laughs> to head that complaint off at the pass. The nicer quote um, I had heard was like, "Oh yeah, for younger readers, you maybe need to do one more chapter and then the light goes off." Which is like a nicer way of saying, I guess I'll put chapters in. Your I guess book, I will you put jerks. breaks in here, but it's it's separated into four kind of short stories that are okay. about the same about the same characters, and then those are broken up with shorter intervals, which we probably won't talk a ton about. Honestly, like I just didn't I didn't find them. Maybe they are compelling in aggregate if you've read a bunch of Discworld books, but it's okay. basically setting up the events of the book as being some obscure chess game between different gods. Oh, sure. Okay. Um, and this, this it's, it's interesting because we said we were reading this book and we got comments from more than one person who said that this was, like, they love Discworld, but not this one. <laughs> yeah, or that it wasn't, like, it doesn't have all of the best things about Discworld books or it's not the most memorable for someone who loves the series. And I could, I could totally believe that because there are parts of it that are just like, oh, you, you know, stuff's happening, but you're really reading it because Pratchett knows his way around a phrase. Sure, sure. Um, but they're not like the most exciting adventures that anybody's ever had. But having never read any other Discworld book, like this is my whole context for the whole series. And, and I, I enjoyed it. Like there, there are definitely, we'll talk about the stories that stuck out in my head more than the others, but... um. He establishes some pretty memorable characters. So you get Rincewind the wizard, who is a failed wizard, more or less. He was kind of kicked out of wizard school. Okay. Partly because he wasn't, like, good at it, but also partly because he read this, like, obscure, weird spell out of a book, and it, like, wedged itself into his head, and so now he can't remember any spells other than that one. Oh. And he doesn't know what it does, but it's always trying to get itself said by him. Huh. And Chekhov's spell never goes off in this book. I assume it does in, in a later book, one. sure. But, That's yeah, he smart. almost... He almost cast this spell a couple times, but it never happens, and I kept expecting it to happen, and, like something totally mundane and stupid would oh would sure. happen instead of whatever like world ending whatever that the book sets you up to expect because that's just what that's just the the wavelength that Pratchett is on but I don't you know you don't know you don't learn what you don't learn what it does in this book now is this like how does he set up how magic works is it like D&D &D, I ca I roll my die I cast lightning bolt is So it he he goes into a few explanations like there are a few things about the origins of Discworld and the origins of life on Discworld like there are there are humans and other creatures and then there are gods and then there are there there are other higher gods than them. Even <laughs> sure. it's a little, it's a little Greek in its oh, okay in its construction, I guess. But like, the, apparently, the first humans were too much like gods to the extent that they like started a magic war against the gods and were just like doing too well, and so they made new humans that were weaker than than them. But 
apparently there so one thing you need to know is magic never dies dies it just fades it's sort of like a, a nuclear half-life sort of okay, situation sure okay where if you're in a space where like a lot of magic was cast or where there's like a big magical war or something you'll still notice after effects like a bush will talk to you or oh neat <laughs> Or just like rocks will move around of their own accord. Just like strange things will continue to happen okay. in that spot. But there used to be like a lot of wild magic that people could just do whatever with. And then after the big magic war, there were more rules imposed upon it so that I don't have the specific phrase highlighted. But the gist of it is that the more complicated it would be to do the thing like really like physically the more like years you need to put in as a wizard to be able to do the thing. Sure. That makes sense. So if you're just trying to like levitate a glass across a room, like that's not super hard, but if you're trying to like make something catch on fire from, (laughs) from across town or whatever, then it takes more, it takes more effort. It might take some time time. to to learn how to do that or at least summon up the energy to do it yeah and there's a there's a school of wizards that rinswind has been ejected from and we we get a few facts about it but it's i think it's focused on more in other discworld books okay um pratchett is in this book kind of his, his mythology building is a mile wide and an inch deep i think in a lot of spots like oh he sure sets up a lot of stuff to build on but he doesn't delve super deeply into anything and i think it's partly because of what we talked about before like you don't define things super specifically because you want to give yourself room to play later. Yes. You're yeah, um, you're not the the some of the other fantasy series that we've dipped our toes into and going back to Tolkien, right? Like the world is built with in some ways with certain themes or uh archetypes to unravel in mind and a lot of fantasy world building does that on purpose and you know that's why it gets really frustrating when you have a series that like you won't get that last book right well i mean if you if you talk if you're talking about tolkien or george R. R. martin or robert jordan like one gets the impression and this may or may, may not be true i know it was true of tolkien but i don't know about how much about the other ones um you get the impression that the world was built first and then the story was yes. written in the world. Whereas with Discworld and just to pick an example, like the later Harry Potter books, <laughs> you're sort of playing Calvin ball and building the airplane while it's taking off. Yeah. 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 Um, is that reflected in the reality of the series in any way? What do you mean? Um, like I've seen some quotes where, or questions actually where folks ask him about uh, how like belief in things like cause things to happen in the Discworld universe. Is like, is there magic that's powered that way in this book at all? Um, Just like you have to believe that it's true for it to for work. It, yeah, like beliefs shaping reality and stuff in the, like that. in this book. Well, okay, yes. Because that and that is that's the story of the of the four ish stories that are told in this book. That's the one that I like the most. Okay, um, cool. We can get into that now. I can I should talk a little bit more about the other characters. Who yeah, are set hit me, up. Hit me. So the other two big characters. So so you've got Rincewind. You've got Death, who is just Death. Like not a lot to dive into there. <laughs> sure. Um, you've got uh, Two Flower. Okay. Who is a tourist from 
a sort of isolated continent, an isolated, very wealthy continent on the disc world who is there just to like see things. And he's always up for an adventure. And then Rincewind is being dragged along reluctantly and just kind of blundering his way through adventures. Sure. Um, there two flower has this, it's a box made of it's, um, some kind of, it's like magical pear wood or something. I forget the, the, the exact name of the thing, but is this very rare, very magical, nigh indestructible wood that is very loyal to, to whoever its owner is. So this manifests as a big storage chest where like house of leaves, like the inside dimensions do not conform to the outside dimension. <laughs> okay. Cool. Um, and it has legs and it's, vaguely sentient but it mostly just it mostly just follows two flower around blindly and destroying and killing things as it goes as it needs to neat okay so this is where i see how my douglas adams comparison is not terribly far off unapt like goofy sentience right writ large okay cool Um, so so the most of the book we're following around uh, rinse wind and two flower and to a lesser extent the luggage as it is called. <laughs> okay. Um, with a capital L, of course. Of I think course. that was implied by yeah. by how I said it. But <laughs> um so they meet in this this giant city called um Ankh-Morpork, I think. Yeah, that's what I would have called it, sure. Um, and they the the gist of the adventure that they have here is that uh Two Flowers this is is a tourist. Um Rincewind is the only person around who can speak a language that he understands. So they sort of fall in together. Um, and Rincewind is like, like two flowers handing out coins. He's got these giant gold coins, which are, I guess just legal tender where he comes from, but are immensely like inordinately valuable in the rest of the world. Sure. And two flower doesn't know what anything costs. So he's just like, here, how about I give you like five gold coins for a hotel room? Man, he's just wrecking the economy, and he's, huh? And he's just overpaying. But um, so he explained, two flower explains to the, the guy who owns the tavern he's staying in. He explains the concept of insurance and okay. says, hey, if I, <laughs> if you give me money, I will insure your building in case anything happens to it. And then the guy sets the building on fire to claim the insurance money, and it ends up burning most of the city down. Oh, no. Oh, that's not how insurance is meant to work. It's not. I mean, it's how some people uh, intend try to. and game the system. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no. Like, I've got a life insurance policy through my employer where if I end up dead, like, definitely you should uh, you should investigate Susanna first. <laughs> Oh really? <laughs> oh gosh! I love you, sweetie. <laughs> but yeah, but that's how you end up in like it's a wonderful life scenarios where Jimmy Stewart's worth where he's more worth more dead, dead than, than alive. alive. Yeah. but no man is a failure who has friends. That's also true. Which I don't know if you can tell that to your bill collectors on the phone and have it make much of a difference. But it's a very nice sentiment. I'll try it next time. Next time I get a call, listen, sir. I have friends, okay? No man no man is a failure who has friends. I know I'm three months behind on my electric bill, but... You turn my power back on. My friend's right here. 
I'm He's, poor in money, but I'm rich in friends. So can we work something out? What if think? I could give a friend to the power company? I feel like if you had a reputation for giving your friends to companies that you would have fewer friends. Uh, well, sort of like how when I pay my bills, I have less money. Sort of, but it doesn't it doesn't deter money from continuing to associate itself with you oh money doesn't talk to other money about right like if i see on facebook if i see you like unfriend someone because you're not friends anymore because you signed your friendship with them over to comcast yeah i'm gonna be like hey maybe craig would do that to me i'm not gonna be his friend anymore but money's not like that no they they, anyway they they always say that money talks but maybe it doesn't not to probably doesn't it probably does in the disc world oh hey (laughs) <laughs> so insurance ruins but it's this just town. A, it's a in its way, yeah. yeah but it's okay. it's one of those um, like the construction of the joke is here is this sort of spoofed high fantasy world where somebody brings in a mundane concept from our own world and then hilarity ensues. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, but to, so to get all the way back to that thing you were asking about about like imagination making things real. Um, there is this, um, there's this, it's not a race. It's like a, it's a, a people of, uh, they're like dragon riders. Okay. They ride dragons. But the important thing to know is that the dragons aren't real, but they are like, they are, they are real. Like they're, uh, they're. <laughs> That's the coolest thing I've ever heard on this podcast. So the drag the dragon riders like imagine the dragons into existence. Wait, like they imagine, imagine dragons? dragons? Yeah, right. It's like hmm. the band Imagine Dragons. And okay. for all I know, they are that is a Discworld Pratchett reference. I will not. choose to believe that until I, I choose die. Choose to believe it is. Um so like the dragons can they they are corporeal, I guess. Um they can they can breathe fire and do all the dragon things, but like if they get too far away from the place where these people live, they start to fade. Like literally mm. they start to become transparent. Um, some people are better at imagining more dragons. Yeah. Than other people like some people can be like, Oh yeah, I can imagine 50 dragons. And some other people are like, Oh, I can just imagine like a couple dragons. It's fine. And then two flower, because he's read all these fantasy books about dragons and how dragons are supposed to be. He imagines like a very, impressive scaly fire breathing drag whatever dragon and flies around on it and like and and again hilarity ensues <laughs> okay is there like is there conflict is there a save the MacGuffin? is there a no, it's really Rincewind and Two Flower like blundering their way from one adventure to the other. And they're like one of the tropes that Pratchett sets up and knocks down is um like there are heroes in this world and you got to think like Conan the Barbarian like painted on the side of a van sword and sorcery heroes. Um, and like but like I'm in the hero biz kind of thing. But even like like to the point they act the same to the point where there are just like stereotypes about heroes. Like, no, yeah. what he didn't like about heroes was that they were usually suicidally gloomy when sober and homicidally insane when drunk. There were too many of them too. Some of the most notable questing grounds near the city were a veritable hubbub in the season. There is a talk of organizing a rota. <laughs> um, 
Uh, where is the, some other stuff about here? But basically, there there are heroes in this book, but they're all like meathead, stereotypical heroes who just kind of blunder their way into success and and women and and, and they're not the main character of the they're book not anyway. no they 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 come in and out of this this story okay um, yeah so so yeah there, there's that story there's the one where the city burns down there's one where two flower and rinse wind, rinse wind go underground and confront like a lovecraftian horror but because Two Flower has what is essentially a camera. And when I say camera, I mean a box that a little imp lives in and it quickly paints pictures of whatever the camera box is pointed at. So like this is like magic Flintstones. It's sort of magic Flintstones. It's a living. Yeah, sure. And so because the because the special kind of salamander that he uses as a flash bulb goes off like it. It defeats this Lovecraftian horror. And because this Lovecraftian horror was so horrible, it was keeping time from affecting this place. And when the horror retreats, time comes in. And so like a thousand years pass in like a few seconds and the buildings start in the woods all around them start like crumbling around them and they just barely get out in time. And then there's a story where they go to the edge of the disc world um, there are the, and again there there are a few things that are established kind of early on where there are hublanders who live sort of toward the the cold inhospitable middle of the disc world and then there are rimlanders who uh live toward the the tropical outsides of the disc so rincewind and two flower after a few months of of adventuring together and surviving many trials mm-hmm um, almost fall off the edge of the disc, but they get caught up in this thing called the circumference, oh boy. which is a big system of nets that just like catches stuff and keeps it from going off the side. Okay. And How do this, these? They when... meet this troll that's ba- it, that's made of water. I don't know. It's a lot. So when you're coming across some of these, because these are like, there, it's a pun. Right, but it's also a pun that is like fully invested in by the author and by the world. Like when you, what do you mean? Well, like it's a real, it's a thing. Like I, I don't know if that if the circumference gets referenced <laughs> in other books or not. I'm I sure it does. It, I imagine it does because it doesn't go all the way around the the disc. Like it, it is an artifice. It's not like a natural. Oh sure, okay. It's not a natural thing about the. Di- in fact, there are. There is this species of bird that has evolved just to like catch food that is falling over the sides. Well, that makes perfect sense. Yeah. Now, where all the water is coming from, like where it all goes, I don't know. I'm not a doctor. But But, like when you encounter goofy stuff like that as the reader, like you're enjoying telling it to me now. Are you like, is it groan worthy as a reader? Is it chuckle worthy as a reader? In your experience, it's usually chuckle worthy. It's like, oh, oh, that's clever. Okay, you say that just to yourself a lot in this book, and, okay. and maybe that's what people think about when they think of this first one. Because we, because we got what was some, somebody said that they couldn't finish this one, which I don't, I don't really understand. Like the later Discworld books must be super great. <laughs> <laughs> because I found like if I found it a quick and easy and fun read, but often you are just it's. It's a little Simpsons-y, in fact, in its 
mm, in its okay. cleverness. Now it does it does predate The Simpsons, of course, but um, I highlighted a few lines where I just think Pratchett is is being clever and funny. Um, it is forbidden to fight on the killing ground. <laughs> sure, he said, and paused while he considered the sense of this. <laughs> Uh, it sounded like the sort of scream that brings muscular help. Yup. Uh-huh. Rincewind tried shutting his eyes, but there were no eyelids to his imagination, and it was staring widely. He grins like a pumpkin. <laughs> okay. This works. Yeah. So normally, like, in this book, most of what most of what the point of the book is, I guess, is just Pratchett like being clever about fantasy tropes, which is which is I mean, he's very good at it. Yeah, sure. He's super funny. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I'm going back. But, to, I'm just thinking back to that quote I read from him earlier where he, you know, cops to taking five or six books to really enjoy writing plots and like I can totally see that because the the dragon story I think is fairly well realized and interesting like that he has come up with like the the king of these people or the ruler of these people has died but one of his kids didn't kill him and like he has three kids and none of them is obviously stronger succession is supposed to work when your kid kills you and so he just like clings to life and he's like i'm not going to die if it's not by the hand of one of my (laughs) okay and like that i think this is the most like fully realized race of people that he that he investigates and it's still it's still mostly like glimpses that you're getting in between the adventures of rincewind and two flower or whatever but um and are they best buds are they like a buddy they're kind of reluctant so okay um here is a two flower and rin- and rinse wind uh, early in the second chapter. Um, and two flower has called something picturesque. Okay. Uh, pic- picturesque. That was a new word to rinse wind the wizard. Uh, B <laughs> bachelors in magic unseen university brackets failed. <laughs> <laughs> it was one of a number he'd picked up since leaving the charred ruins of Ankh Morpork. Quaint was another one. Picturesque meant he decided after careful observation of the scenery that it inspired Two Flower to use the word that the landscape was horribly precipitous. <laughs> Quaint, when used to describe the occasional village through which they passed, meant fever-ridden and tumble-down. Two Flower was a tourist, the first ever seen on the Discworld. Tourist, Rincewind had decided, meant idiot. <laughs> okay, that's good. So they have a... Like, Two Flower is mostly oblivious, and Rincewind is kind of reluctantly adventuring with him, but they do sort of have a buddy comedy thing going on. Well, and there's certainly a like, you know this place, I don't know this place. I'm going to comment on things and you're I mean, going to like... Two Flower has read about a lot of things and oh, he, wants, sure, okay. he wants to see it all. And two, and Rincewind is... He is, would be happy not to see everything. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, Two Flower is driven by his his need to experience more stuff to the point where he gets in what is essentially a spaceship and and intentionally plummets off the side of the disc at the end of the book. Which I presume, and Rincewind yeah. is is dragged along mostly unwillingly. Okay, sure. Um, as we kind of like crest and and wrap up, I have two questions. 
about like other things that happen in other Discworld novels. So like Okay, and then I also want to talk briefly about the name of the book. Oh, sure. Okay. Cuz we're done cuz I and I sh- I could have brought it up I think when we talked about the rules of magic, but I didn't. So Okay. Um A, are there any footnotes in this book? Not in this one, no. Okay. Cuz that is I think that is a thing that Pratchett uses regularly for to No, kind of... I think I think he he is very free with the asides. Okay. But right. there are no footnotes in this one that I ran into. Um, and I do just want to circle back on, like, how does death appear in this book? What is that? Why is it in the book at all when it is? Because that is, like, a hallmark of the series is this character that can speak to the reader. Well, death shows up to claim Rincewind a lot of times. Okay. And Rincewind is like, no, I'm good. Because <laughs> that's what you say to death is not today. Not today. Um, yes. To borrow another fantasy thing, um, and death for most of the book is sort of doggedly pursuing Rincewing because he's gonna get him. He wants to get him. Yeah. Well, it's but then job. by by the but by the end of the book, he's kind of given up on. All right. So this is de- and death. All of death's text is presented without quotation marks in like small caps. Okay. Um, I did indeed chase them mightily once, he said, but at last the thought came to me that sooner or later all men must die. Everything dies in the end. I can be robbed but never denied, I told myself. Why worry? That's so he's he's going to get him shoulders. eventually. But in the meantime, like, oh, there's this town that has the plague and I just need to go and I need to claim some folks. So, like, I, I just have other I have other things okay. to do. Um, yeah, Sure. But yeah, he's he's as a character, like sometimes he shows up to Rincewind. Most people aren't supposed to be able to see death. I guess Rincewind can see him because theoretically every time he sees him, he's about to die. Mm. Um, but yeah, death can can commune with the gods. Um, there's a god of luck, I guess, who is more or less watching over Rincewind. I don't know. that watch, Watching over implies like an amount of protectiveness that luck does not necessarily give Rincewind. Like it, it is, as I understand it, both good and bad luck. Yeah. That would make more mischief based luck. What yeah. happens if this goes well or bad for him? Sure. But yeah, d- death is, is he's just kind of around. <laughs> okay. He's just a part of the world. Uh, tell me about what the color of magic is. What is it? The color of magic is the eighth color octarine. Neat. Which Rincewind describes as a sort of greenish purple. Okay. And it is, it's especially concentrated around the rim of the disc. And there, sometimes when you're in a super magical space, you're just not supposed to say eight. You're not supposed to say the word eight. You can say like four plus four or the number (laughs) between seven and nine or some other things. But if you say eight, it just like, it creates bad reactions like it might cause like a wild magic nonsense to happen yes okay and so i I think it's set up as the eighth color where the other seven are like the rainbow covers colors oh yeah that would make sense that's okay so so in this book is roy g bivo (laughs) or roy go biv or oh roy g biv oh roy g biv (laughs) Can you see, are there any narrative threads in this book that are set up that you're like, oh, 
it would make sense for him to spin this off. This is mostly I'm just asking for your like predictive powers. Yeah, and, and, and some of this is informed by the snippets that I read about. Yeah, sure. You know, other Discworld books as I researched, but like of of course. There is this whole world of magic users who we spend barely any time with at all. Like we only spend time with a failed wizard, basically. Yeah. Um, there are multiple like race not again, not races, but like groups and cultures or, or of groups people, yeah. of yeah, multiple cultures of people who we don't spend a lot of time with. There's the whole city of Ankhmor Pork that we don't spend a lot of time with. There's this whole like ruler class that we don't spend a lot of time with. Um there are tons of heroes who we see intermittently but don't spend much time with like i don't i would have trouble imagining based on this book i i can't imagine that pratchett would do a book centered on a hero because that's kind of seems to be not the bad against yeah. like it, it's sort of um it it seems like it's uh beside the point sure of, the, yeah. of these stories like there are plenty of fantasy books that focus on the hero so why not just have heroes obliviously like grinning off to the side of all these other people who are just kind of rolling their eyes at the heroes yeah i've heard a little bit Um, more about those about the wizard and the wizard school because there was a lot of a lot of folks wanted to hear what terry pratchett had to say about harry potter when harry potter happened uh uh-huh um because pratchett was like the best selling uk author throughout the entire 1990s and then jk rowling happened um and harry potter happened and there's like a series of interviews where he like he says a like fine thing about the harry potter series and then responds kind of negatively to another interview and then has to retract his words because like clearly it was taken out of context well he i I don't think he but all that to say is like the kind to like intentionally crap all over somebody else's work no all, all that to say is that he you know he he has said i i think of her as a good and competent writer a phrase that i would apply to myself as well and he said that there are better writers than both of them that never sell as many copies as either of them have of, sure. of books and that's mostly down to luck um but he's also kind of on record as saying like anybody they're all kind of subverting the genre and dealing with the genre that was really established in modern times, as we've said, by Tolkien, and then also in conversation with like millennia of storytelling. Um, right. And his big concern being that, uh, and we've talked we talked about this a little bit with the Harry Potter episode also, but the the concern that if fantasy is overly pigeonholed as a children's venture. Uh, it can limit both how audiences read fantasy and how publishers deal with fantasy. And then he has a lot of, he had a lot of misgivings about the treatment of fantasy as a, as a genre um, that it was not quote unquote, you know, taken seriously. And, you know, he's out here writing goofy fantasy books on purpose, but, um, and we, yeah, like, like I feel, I feel like rolling is, is, trying to build on top of an add to the genre while Pratchett is more interested in deconstructing it. Sure. Okay. Um, yeah, that makes sense. I mean, that that's just something that I came up with literally just now off the top of my head without thinking about it too much. So <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, I mean, there's 40 but, um, other books here, so who knows? But, but yeah, like uh, it, you can definitely in Harry Potter, like the, the places where the, the seams are showing the most is, 
like when it when it says okay i'm done being a kid's book now i'm gonna be like a ya book or even like an everyone general interest book yeah sure and the foundation that rolling built was i think insufficient to support some of the things that she tried to do later i don't know yeah we yeah i know you have you have a lot of feelings about the later. I have some feelings because I just read all seven of them again <laughs> after I read the the first one for the show. But anyway, that's 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 neither here nor there with respect to Pratchett. Um, no, yeah. I guess it kind of sucks that people interviewing him were like, "Hey, what do you think about this person who's kind of writing in the same genre as you, who is from the same country as you?" Like, of course, you must have an opinion. <laughs> yeah, and he he had a lot of interviews. Well, I think I that. think that's that's probably like any frustration that he expressed toward her probably was born of being asked that almost nonsensical like what difference does it make question. It, yeah, a million the, like times. it does not have to be a competition question. Yeah, they're like no, we are just two we are two writers who are who are doing different things and we there are some similarities and there are some differences and we're both successful and can that not just be enough yeah he he even remarks at one point he's like man i'm being political right now because i just know how much you would love it if you could write a headline that says pratchett slams rolling yes exactly he was very aware of how that was being treated that that is why any interviewer asks that question yes yes Indeed. Is to write write a headline with a verb like slams or unloads or <laughs> oh, fires God. back in it. Yeah. Uh, Pratchett tosses rolling off the disc world. News at 11. <laughs> <laughs> rolling fires back with the killing curse against <laughs> Terry Pratchett. I would watch. I would watch a parody version of tmz set in like a Discworld-esque. Universe. i would play a marvel versus capcom style video game with Discworld characters versus harry potter characters that also sounds like can i good. can i get like the luggage versus professor snape or something yes or death versus hagrid yeah ooh, death versus hagrid <laughs> I'm super here for this. Or like Dobby versus an imagined dragon. Yes. Dobby would have to be an unlockable character. Dobby you can't have Dobby is on the OP. I feel like screen. Dobby would be the odd job of he our <laughs> Pratchett versus rolling fighting game. Dobby's OP. Dobby is OP. They're going to have to nerf him in the next patch. Please All right. Nerf, if we, nerf Dobby. If we uh, did not hit you the listener's favorite part of terry pratchett's Discworld. please feel free to write in we really appreciated the emails we got and i think it kind of helped shape our conversation today um so if you have any other thoughts about pratchett please let us know you can do so at overduepod at gmail.com or on social media twitter.com slash overduepod and facebook.com slash overduepod a short shout out to some of the folks who reached out this week include danielle wendy aaron gwyneth michael Teresa, amy courtney Jennifer, Dion, Alexis, Olivia, Steve, Katie, Allison, Malcolm, Jocelyn, and many more. Andrew, if folks want to know more about the show, where should they go? Ooh, in celebration of Discworld Week, we should share our favorite Flat Earth memes on the Twitter account this week. All right. Well, if you see them up there, you know where they came from. <laughs> uh, if you want to find out more about the show, you can go to OverduePodcast.com, which is our internet website up there. We have links to the social sites that Craig mentioned. We have links to iTunes, RSS, and Google Play. Those are always you can subscribe to the show and get new episodes when they come out on Mondays. 
If you subscribe on iTunes, rate and review us because it makes us feel good and it makes us rise in those cold, unfeeling rankings. We're coming up on 700 ratings, which feels like a lot. Get us there. Do it. Get us there. Please get us over the line, but make it like a nice one, a good one. Yeah. A nice one. A good, nice one. <laughs> up there, we also have links to our Patreon project, HeadGum, our podcast network, and also all the books that we are reading uh, this month. So next week, Craig, you're reading Charlotte's Web by E.B. White. Yeah. Which is going to be a fun one, I think. And then I am reading Gone with the Wind by Margaret Mitchell, which I've started and... <laughs> It's a little, it's a lot, like it's pretty racist, but we're just going to, we're just going to go with it. It's an important it book and we're going to talk about it. It's a, it's a book that happened mm-hmm. that we should cover as yeah. did, as was Charlotte's Web. And I'm excited to talk about that too. So look Charlotte's up. Web, slightly more racist actually. <laughs> I don't know that that's true. <laughs> I mean, there is a spider that eats bugs and. Maybe bugs are sentient in that universe. I don't really know. It's I mean, spiders weird. are, but yeah. spi- okay. I don't. Know, I don't know if insects are though. Anyways, thank you so much for listening to us, everybody. And until next week, try to be happy. That was a HeadGum Podcast.